Welcome to the Man Talk Show. My name is Connor Beaton, and today is another anonymous guest episode. And this time I've invited the first female anonymous guest to be on the show and to do a little bit of work in a few different areas. Uh, this individual had written me on Instagram and told me a little bit about her story. And I thought it would be a good opportunity to dive into some of the uh, work that needed to be done. So we talk about the mother-daughter dynamic and the mother wound that can come out of that. We talk about divorce and separation. Uh, we dive into having to play a sort of parentified role and taking on the role of being a uh, a parent to a father, someone dealing with alcoholism. And in in some ways, we talk about neglect and abandonment and the experience that many children, many people that have grown up into into adults experience. Uh, being abandoned as a child, feeling neglected and unable to get the attachment and the love and the support that that we need as children, and so we get into a little bit of a, uh, of attachment styles here and what comes from being in an environment where our needs are not prioritized and where we have had to sacrifice our own needs, our own wants, to tend to the needs and wants of others. Uh, we also talk about a hypercritical parent. Uh, being the mother in this case. And so there's a lot of good stuff that can come from this conversation. So I hope that you enjoy. Let me know either by messaging me on Instagram or or whatever platform you prefer, how you enjoyed this episode and you know what questions you have or what really resonated with you. Don't forget to share it and feel free to leave me a rating and a review. It goes a long way in getting us onto the phones and into the ears of other people. So if you enjoy my show, uh, I would really appreciate that you take the time. We actually just celebrated the other day six years. I've been podcasting for six years now, and uh, we've had millions of downloads, which is absolutely incredible. Um, but I would appreciate any support and all support. So if you enjoyed this episode or any other episodes for that matter, please make sure to share them with people that might take interest in them. So, all right, without any further delay, I would like to welcome on the anonymous guest, I hope you enjoy. All right, anonymous guest, how are you doing today? I'm doing well overall. I'm a little nervous. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. You're the, you're the first woman that I've had as a test subject as the anonymous guest. How does that feel? No, no pressure. Well, I didn't know that until just now. So <laughs> a little surprising, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, good. All right. Well, you know, obviously we're going to explore some stuff with you here today, just like you know, if we were having a conversation or or we were having a session together. And so maybe just give myself, but specifically the, the listener, a little bit of context as to why you wanted to have this experience and, you know, what you're looking to work on and, and maybe resolve. Yeah. So I think on like a day-to-day level, I operate very fairly normally from like the outside looking in. I think I live a very healthy lifestyle. However, there's a lot internally that I think I'm trying to piece out what's, you know, holding me back from living a more fulfilling lifestyle. So I was hoping to approach this almost like a metal detector on a beach trying to piece out what those pain points might be so I can more effectively confront them and work with them and move forward. Good. All right. So there are some things that you feel like are are holding you back and 
do you feel like you have a, a sense of what some of them are? Yeah, I think there's just a lot of them. And so okay. it's hard to uh, necessarily say what is driving some of like the dissatisfaction more so than something else, because on a day to day basis, I don't necessarily think about my past too much. But then there are events that might trigger something or I might respond to an event in a way that I'm not necessarily proud of. Or, yeah, there are just certain things that are hard for me to figure out how much they've impacted me. But I know what the events are. (laughs) Yeah. So when you say that you feel like a dissatisfaction, say a little bit more about that. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So I'm fairly young. There's a lot that I hope for for my future and a lot that I envision for myself today where I'm at now. And I just don't think I've reached that level of satisfaction that I've envisioned for myself, despite having, you know, a roof above my head, having a good social network, having a great career. Like I have all the things on paper that look like one would be leading a really happy lifestyle. But there's definitely like an observer effect where it feels like I'm living my life watching through a window. Can you just stay, stay with that? Stay with the mm-hmm. feeling what you just what you just experienced and just make a statement about what you just what you just felt there. Probably shame and disappointment. Okay. Yeah. Shame and disappointment for what? The fact that I know I'm blessed and I have a lot, but I don't feel that way. Okay. Yeah. Where did that narrative come from? If you're shame and blessed, you should be, you should be (laughs) happy with it. Yeah. Granted, the past year has been difficult for everyone. And I think this has just amplified it. Those feelings Mm -hmm. have been there for a while. Where did that narrative come from? Who, who sounded like that? Who told you that story? (laughs) So I would say my mom has been definitely a driver of trying to have me realize like, how much of my life is great and like how much I have to be grateful for. But when it comes to acknowledging like any of the hard feelings, there's not, you know, much attention paid to that growing up. So I definitely have like tried to stifle those and just focus on the positive. Okay. Yeah. So, so she maybe encouraged a little bit to ignore the hard emotions and to focus in on what felt good. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure, that's completely unrelatable to a lot of people. <laughs> I'm sure that that's completely unrelatable. Yeah. Okay. And it's become a what? coping mechanism too. Like I know that's not the healthy way to deal with it. A lot of the times I try and distract myself from the negative feelings by going on spontaneous trips by myself, like just to clear my mind. And I know that's not necessarily the healthiest way, but it's how I operate sometimes. And and does your does your mom seem happy? She seems happy. I don't know if that's the case. What's your opinion? She stays very occupied herself. And I think she participates in like different events and just things to keep herself busy, maybe again, to distract herself from what she's truly feeling. She's also Mm -hmm. been single for a while. And I think she misses like true companionship. But that's just my read on it. Nothing she's always... What about what about you? Do you miss true companionship? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So you're abiding a little bit by her methodology of life, but don't but don't trust it. Don't believe it. Yeah, that's a good read. Okay. All right. What do you experience when I say that? 
validation that okay yeah what else probably that i should i should stop shooting on myself as you say but that i'd like to live you know different from that and like live by my own values of success but it seems like when i do try and like find ways to make myself happy it doesn't necessarily get that result and like when i'm working through the hard emotions there's not really resolve. So it seems like I'm kind of at that dead end of, well, just go and distract yourself or go and try and find something to make you happy. And what do you go to when you're distracting yourself? What do you distract yourself with? Is it, is it men? Is it casual sex? Is it social media? Is it? No, <laughs> I try and live a healthy lifestyle. So the things that I distract myself with are usually like exercise, listening to podcasts to try and get some like positive I don't know, direction to take in from and something to learn from. Recently, yeah, I might be scrolling social media mindlessly, but that's pretty much like the most toxic behavior that I currently participate in. That hasn't always been the case. Definitely mm-hmm. did have some issues like over-exercising, under-overeating, et cetera, in the past that weren't healthy mm-hmm. and like a lot of drinking in my younger days, but I've kind of grown out of some of those. So you went through a, a Lululemon phase. A what? A Lululemon. A li- <laughs> I mean, no, that was in college. I was a little too broke for Lululemon. <laughs> it's more like a uh-huh. but yeah, definitely. Good stuff. Okay. Yeah. Well, come back to the experience of observing your life and tell me a little bit more about that. What's What's that been like for you and when does it show up? Yeah. So my parents divorced at a very young age and the why like wasn't told to me at the time. And you know, up until that point, I think I assumed my parents were in a happy marriage. And so it was very shocking. And then after the marriage, like life was not normal, in my opinion, for an eight-year-old or seven-year-old, however old that I was, it just felt like it was stable one day and then unstable the next. So I noticed, you know, my dad's drinking, which I had never noticed before a lot of depression, a lot of financial insecurity. And then with my mom, she had, you know, some long-term committed relationships for the majority of time that they were divorced. And those were not healthy that I saw. And I didn't necessarily feel like I was kind of part of that family unit anymore. So pretty much from the time I was like eight until, you know, mid late college, the family unit just did not feel very functional. Mm-hmm. So, so the so the family system <clears throat> fell apart, and you proceeded to experience a good amount of neglect. Yeah, dad chose alcohol. Mom started to build a new new family ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try. Like I've never used the word neglect when I talk about my parents, but that's more or less because I don't necessarily want to accept that is what happened. So <laughs> yeah, what's the, what's the, what's the consequence of accepting that? What's the consequence of, of actually labeling what's true for you? So logically the consequence would be, you know, if my parents neglected me, that would have one question, like the love their parents had for them or the state of your parents emotional and like, psychological well-being because how could you neglect your child unless there's some sort of dysfunction within themselves 
And like, I don't want to see my parents as capable of neglecting their child. Like I want to see my parents as loving and nurturing and stable, et cetera. Because why? You want to see them as that because why? Because that's what I wanted, you know? And it also scares me that I'm their child. So one could assume some of that I might have inherited and I don't want Mm. to ever do that to my child or do that to myself. So I fear that a lot. Okay. Yeah. So if I, if I don't have to accept what was true for me, my, my true experience of, of feeling neglected, or I don't have to accept that my parents maybe did neglect me, then maybe I can avoid doing the same thing in my future relationship or to my kids. Mm-hmm. What do you experience when you hear that? <laughs> it, it's weird because it's like a narrative I just don't want to accept, but it has been running in the background of my mind. So it's true. I've like tried to escape or avoid that. And what does it feel like in the body? What do you experience (laughs) emotional? What do you experience emotionally when you hear it? Yeah, my shoulders are like trying to close in on themselves. I just feel like I'm kind of curling inwards and there's a lot of like tightness in my chest. Okay. All right. Are you okay to work with that? Do you have your permission to go down that path? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. All right. So let's just work with this a little bit. So if you're comfortable with it, just close the eyes for a moment and take a nice breath and connect to that experience, the physical experience of having your shoulders clothed in themselves, the tension in the chest. And then when you're ready, just allow yourself to say what that experience is like. What is this experience like? So like the closing, like my shoulders closing in on themselves is not something unique. I think throughout the day, I kind of find myself like fidgeting a lot, but like releasing some of it and closing my eyes and breathing through it feels nice. Okay. Yeah. So just stay connected to that tension. So right now I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And I feel uncomfortable because it's just a very vulnerable thing to be doing right now. And it's a lot that I'm talking about that I typically try not to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice deep breath. Yeah. So this feels familiar to my childhood because. Because I tried to keep things in. Yeah. What I felt like I had to keep in from my mom was. Anger. Okay. Yeah. I had to hide my anger from her. Otherwise. It would be shut down. Okay. Yeah, she'd shut it down. How did she shut it down? By telling me certain things didn't happen or that my feelings didn't matter. Okay. Yeah, so she she gaslit you a little bit, told you that it wasn't true, told you it didn't happen, neglected your feelings. So when you're ready, just make a statement about what that was like for you. It was really hard because it felt like betrayal by someone who should be there for you. Yeah, she should have. She should have what? Helped me. Mm-hmm. Listened. Mm-hmm. Okay, deep breath. Yeah, help me listen to my experience, my truth, my pain. Yeah, just say that to her directly as if she's in the room with you. I needed you to. I needed I needed you to be there for me and listen to me. 
Yeah. And the way, the way that you treated me was, okay, just put a hand over top of the heart, wherever you feel that collapsing and that tension. And just let yourself speak from that space. The way you treated me was. It was sad. Yeah. If my anger had a voice, it would have said. Why are you doing this? Do you not see like the pain you're causing me? Yeah. What you're doing to me is. Wrong. Nice breath. Where I feel the sadness in my body right now is my forehead and my heart. Okay. Yeah. Just stay in contact with the sadness in the forehead and in the heart. Just be aware of it. Stay with it for a moment. And when you're ready, make a statement from that place. I wish you would have paid attention and been proactive about doing what was right for me and for my sister. Yeah, but instead you put your needs and someone else's needs first. Mm -hmm. Who was the other person? It depended on the year, but um, like her boyfriend at the time. Yeah, her boyfriends were usually... Yeah. Yeah. Just say it directly to her. How would you say it? Your boyfriends were. Your boyfriends were terrible. And if an eight year old can see that, I don't know how you couldn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if I wasn't, my anger wasn't being so nice right now. If I wasn't being so nice, I'd say. (laughs) Your boyfriends boyfriends sucked ass. (laughs) (laughs) You chose chose some real fucking losers. Yeah. 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 Okay. Deep breath. So just saying that feels (laughs) nice, but also uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. Uncomfortable because. Because I never wanted to give like my power and my emotions over to them. So I tried Mm -hmm. to keep that inside as well. So I don't like admitting that they sucked ass. (laughs) Yeah. Just tell her that first part directly. I always tried to. I always tried to. I always tried to protect myself from your boyfriends. So I kept a lot of that in. But even when I didn't, you would tell me that it didn't matter or that I was making things up. One more breath. No. Yeah, I didn't feel like you. I felt like you didn't understand my emotions, specifically my my pain or my uncomfortability. Yeah, just connect to that pain right now for a moment. Find a way to make contact with it energetically. So if my pain had a shape, it would look like a triangle. And where I see it in my body is like my rib cage. Okay, breathe into it. If it had a color, it would be orange. And if it had a voice, it would probably sound like, Get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. Just let yourself say that one more time. It would say, Get me the fuck out of here. Get me the fuck out of where? Mm, this house and 
like under their watchful eyes. Yeah. If they could speak to my mom, they would say, what are you doing? Like, please look at this dynamic and the repercussions that'll have down the road. Not yeah, the way that the way that you're treating me is sad. It's not right. And not being safe around you feels disappointing. Yeah. And I desperately want you to be part of my life. Just say that whole thing. I desperately want you to. I desperately want you to be part of my life. But I can't I'll let you because... I can't let you because I have to protect myself. Right. Because you won't. Because you won't protect me. You won't yeah. stand up for me. Yeah. And not having a mother to stand up for her daughter is... Yeah, just stay there. Just It's okay. I got you. Just connect with that. Breathe in. So not having a mother to stand up for me was? A lot down. Mm -hmm. Didn't feel right. If eight-year-old me was here, just imagine that she's sitting next to you. You're protecting her. You got her for a moment. What would she want to say? She won't say, who are you? Yeah, she's speaking to your mom. Yeah. I feel like I don't even know you because you... Betrayed me. Yeah, you betrayed me when you... Got these people in my life. Did they hurt you? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so not being able to tell you how they hurt me has been difficult. Yeah. Because of that I've had to protect myself by by keeping it in because if I told you he would deny it. Yeah. And I wouldn't yeah, change I anything. You, I don't even think you'd believe me if I told you. Nice deep breath. Now, so right now the girl in me is <laughs> scared. I'm sad. Yeah, she's scared of the past. So it's not happening anymore, but it's still scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, she's sad. She's sad because <sighs> because it shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have been that way. Okay. Nice breath. And just envision yourself for a moment, just turning to her. You don't have to move, but just to imagine turning to her and maybe holding her hand or finding a way to embrace her and just say what she needed to hear. What did she need to hear from, from mom? What did my mom need to hear? I'm sorry. What did what did the little girl need to hear? Oh, I won't be like this forever. Like I'm making my own mistakes, and I'm sorry they're impacting you. I love you above anyone else. I'll protect you. One more breath. What do you want to say to her? 
What does she need to hear from you? I mean, if she said that, I would have responded, I don't believe you, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because mom's not going to save you. You know, mom can't. And I think that's what you're grieving in some ways. Not only you're you're grieving the fact that these things happened to you, that you were hurt in that way, and not only maybe neglected, but taken advantage of in some way or hurt. And so you're, you're grieving that, but you're also grieving the fact that you can't trust your mom to bring this to her. So what that was like for me as a child was limiting and confining and frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, and, t- and terrifying in some ways, because who do you go to, right? If mom can't protect me, where's dad? How's dad in these moments? <laughs> Needing our protection. Uh-huh. From what? Himself and his drinking and his own depression and yeah. his own financial strains. Yeah. Okay. So pause there for a moment. Take a nice deep breath in. Yeah, if I could say anything in response to this right now, anything. It's just uncomfortable. Okay. So just for a moment, imagine being in maybe your living room or an open space. And there's a chair there for you, adult you. And there's a chair for mom. And there's a chair for dad. And there's a chair for your sister. And beside dad, there's a chair for his alcohol, whatever he drank. Do you know what he normally drank? I mean, mostly beer. Okay. So there's beer on the chair. Behind your mom, there's a chair for one of the men, one of her partners. And in the middle is little you on the floor, sitting on the floor. When you're ready, just make a statement about your experience in this space. In this situation, I'm picturing myself trying to fight myself from like reaching out and grabbing like this child version of me to like hold her. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Such a good natural instinct. So I I want to hold her. I want to pick her up and hold her because... (laughs) She is not. Right. No, no one in that circle is going to to pick her up. Yeah. Yeah. So if my anger could speak to the people in this circle about what they're doing to that little girl, they would say, <laughs> "Grow up." What you're doing to her is disgusting. Now, why can't you? Like. I just want to say, like, man, and, like, learn how to be an adult. Yeah, well, let your anger say what it needs to say. <laughs> if my anger wasn't being so nice to them right now, I would tell them. Stop fucking up. Get yeah. get the help you need so you can help her. Yeah. Yeah, but also, you don't get to help her anymore. <laughs> so just envision doing exactly what you wanted to do. Just pick her up. How would you want to pick her up? How would you want to hug her? I'm just like 
I know she's eight years old, so she's not a baby anymore, but I would just like pick her up from under her armpits like she's a baby and just put her on my lap okay. facing out at the circle. Yeah. Good. So be there. So now I feel a little bit better. And if that little girl had a voice in this moment, she'd say, What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's going on? Yeah. What's going on and what else? What else would she say? What would she say to you? She would probably ask, like, will we make it through this? Like, what does the future look like? Yeah, because she's still scared, right? She's still scared of what? A lot. Her dad dying. Her mom leaving. Yeah. Yeah, your little body had to take a lot. It's a deep breath. Now. And just say what you're experiencing right now. Well, my eyes are still closed, so it's dark. Mm -hmm. So just a lot internally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm feeling in my body right now is? Heat and mm -hmm. a lot of movement. Yeah, and right now my, my face feels... <laughs> Cramped up. Okay, my forehead feels... <laughs> Like it's doing bench presses. Yeah. So feel into that, feel into that tension, stay with it, feel into that tension, give it a voice. If this tension in my forehead had a voice and could could say whatever the fuck it wanted right now, it would say. <laughs> what the fuck? It would say, let me out. How would it say it? <laughs> Doesn't have to, don't worry about what it sounds like. How would it say it? It'd say, let me the fuck out right now. Let it, let it express itself. Let yourself express yourself. How would it sound? Let me... <laughs> let me out. I've been in here for... <laughs> Forever. I've had to hide myself from... You all. I am... Fucking tired of this. I'm over mm -hmm. it. I want to be done with it. I don't mm -hmm. want this to be dragging me down forever. Right. I'm fucking tired of you guys... Needing me, but not being there for me. Right. Say the whole thing. I'm tired of you guys needing me, but not being there for me. For me having to be the adult. Yeah. Yeah. I've had enough with you. I've had enough with you acting like this. And what I'm not going to take anymore from you is... <clears throat> your bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Breathe in. One more. Yeah, so moving forward, the boundary I'm going to set with each of you is, the boundary I'm going to set with my father is, yeah, it's a hard one. Yeah, <laughs> I've tried and haven't perfected it. It's gotten better, but it's still not perfect. Taking my space when I need it. Mm -hmm. 
the boundary going to set with him is? Mm. I can't be his only emotional support. Yeah. So just say that directly. I can't be your... I can't be your emotional support dog. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm actually scared not to be otherwise. I'm actually scared not to be otherwise. You have no one. And if you have no one, then I don't know what you'll do. Yeah, so I'm scared that you'll... It's okay. It's okay. Just stay there. Just let yourself feel that. You don't have to answer it. Just be with it. I'm scared that you'll be gone. Yeah. If you can, just say what you worry will happen. Just label it out loud if you can. I'm scared he'll take his life. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. Hard to set boundaries with somebody when the threat is that they will not only leave, but that they'll harm themselves. Yeah. A lot of responsibility you've had to carry for mom, for dad. Trying to parent the parents. Nice deep breath. Out the mouth. One more. And out. Good. One more breath. So it's been a big challenge to set boundaries with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Has that shown up in your intimate relationships? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, don't be an asshole, Connor. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> uh, Audience yeah. is probably thinking it too. Like, what? What is this guy? Who do you think he is? What a jerk. <laughs> yes, it has. Okay. All right. Yeah, because there's a very real threat there, right? And it's not an intellectual one. That's what I want you to know. This isn't rational. It's not rational. It's, it's emotional, it's experiential, it's somatic, it's, it's built in your body, my friend. It's built into your body. Your body was literally conditioned and programmed when you're little not to set boundaries, not to push back specifically towards men in this way because there's a very real threat. They'll leave. They might harm themselves. I have to protect them. So a man can never show up for me because I have to protect them. Yep. <laughs> what do you What do you experience? What do you feel in the body when I say that? Uh, like an unwillingness to accept that. Like in my chest, it's like fighting that that's the okay. reality because yeah. it is. Yeah. Well, just connect with that part. Let's that that resistance. Let's just label that as protection for a moment. Okay. So just when you're ready, say what you're protecting. So in my relationships, it feels like I'm protecting myself and the relationship because if I don't 
then the relationship will just fall apart. It just won't Hmm. be there. Okay. One more breath. Yeah. So I don't want to accept this because if I did, it would mean that there's work to do. (laughs) Yeah. And also it's on, it's uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. It's uncomfortable because again, the, the very real threat, what happens physically in the body, just describe, imagine for a moment, setting that boundary with dad. I'm not going to be your emotional support. What would happen in the body? What does that feel like? Fear. Unease. Not being able to sleep at night. Feeling like I let someone down. That Mm. it's my responsibility. Right. Okay, so breathe into that fear. Stay in contact with it. And then just make a statement from the fear. What does it have to say? It says, do I have to do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and how I would reply back to it is? You don't, <laughs> but it's what we've done and it's worked. Yeah, so not setting these boundaries, not say, not speaking my needs. The impact on me is sadness mm-hmm. and fear and not being able to be present, being very controlled. Yeah. And it ensures that you can, you never get your needs met because you don't have to speak them. And it continues to enforce that other people can't meet them. Other people aren't safe to meet your needs. Other people won't respect them. They won't believe them. They won't hear them. So deep breath. So hearing that feels true. Mm-hmm. It just reminds me of how I come into any type of relationship. I just feel very uh, like on not on guard, but like very, uh, just very vigilant. Yeah. And I tend to date, I tend to date men who (laughs) are unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. And need me to make things safe at the cost of, at the cost of my, well, my mental well-being, my life. Yeah. And the cost of your safety you don't get to feel safe in those moments, right? So moving forward, what I'm committed to is... Asking someone to be there for me. Yeah. Yeah, and the boundaries the boundaries that, that might set, the structure I'll have to put in place is... Not doing more than I'm comfortable with. Good. And the boundaries I'll likely have to set with dad are? Space and not taking on. It's easy to say not taking on more than I can. Mm -hmm. But like in interactions, it's just, you know, typically negative. So if I want to interact, it takes its toll. 
whether I'm trying to engage in it or not. So I guess the boundary would be asking him to minimize the amount that he shares with me. Have you ever asked him to go and get support? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How's that gone? Like empty promises. What does he say? How does he respond? Yeah, you're right. I probably do need support. I'll I'll look into it for you girls and then nothing comes of it. Yeah. So if I was to be a little bit more firm or stronger in my boundaries, it would sound something like. If you want me in your life, you have to get some sort of help. Yeah. All right. So one deep breath. So answering these questions is felt. (laughs) Very difficult. Okay. Yeah. And what else? Difficult and what? Confronting. And? Sad and deep. And like monumental. Okay. And what I know now that I didn't know before is? There's still a lot going on inside that hasn't been, I don't want to say dealt with, but hasn't been integrated and even though things aren't necessarily happening today that happened in the past, they're still affecting me. And although things have gotten better with both of my relationships with my parents, there's still some things that aren't bringing me what I want out of that relationship and aren't healthy for me. Okay. So let's, let's pause there and just debrief a little bit. Okay. So tell me a little bit about what you're taking away from this experience and you're definitely never coming back on. (laughs) You're like, I'm never coming back to speak to you again. This was, (laughs) why did you do that to me? (laughs) What I'm taking away is that, honestly, like I personally would like to go to therapy more regularly. I've gone in the past and this just brought up a lot more than I think has been brought up in the past. So it's kind of like eye-opening for me. But as far as like what I'm taking away, I think the, I don't know what you would call it, but when you were telling me to like envision the little girl in the middle of the room with everyone around her, that was very powerful for me because I like to envision the people in my life one way. But when you put it in that perspective, it really made me realize how those people in my life have actually made me feel. And that doesn't necessarily align with the vision I try and keep in my head of them. And I didn't realize how strongly I'd like want to reach out and grab her. But it also made me feel a little bit more at peace with myself because I think a fear I've had is not being trustworthy myself to take care of me. Uh, And so to see that that instinct was there to like protect myself. And that was just, I guess, a nice credit to give me. No, it's important, right? It's it's important because, you know, the, the, the child in you also needs to know that you as the adult can protect her, that you can prioritize her needs because her needs are your needs. Mm-hmm. She didn't get to have needs. 
right? Her needs were her needs were neglected, and I used that word very specifically. You know, it's a hard word to hear for any of us, you know, who have experienced neglect. But I use that word very specifically. When we experience that kind having to prioritize a parent's experience, mom, dad, whomever, and we have to put our needs to the side, that carries on. It carries on into adulthood. It carries on to our future relationships. It doesn't go away, you know? And then we feel the kind of experience that you were talking about in the beginning of the show. So, I don't know why I call it the show. No, like, it is. <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, so I really, I want you to stay in contact with, for the next little while, what you had to sacrifice. And I think what would be helpful is writing a letter to that little girl, acknowledging her acknowledging her for how much she had to sacrifice because she had to learn how to look out for herself. She had to learn that she had to take care of mom because mom wasn't going to believe her. Mom wasn't going to validate her emotions. Mom wasn't going to understand her experience. And she had to look after dad. So just, if you can write that, Mm -hmm. it's going to be a little bit of a homework and you can feel free to follow up with me and let me know how it goes and email me. Just, just so you can have some, someone to sort of bounce that off of. But what are you taking away from our conversation with your mom specifically? Thinking on that one. I think like... One thing I hope to do is just to come to terms with the reality of what happened rather than trying to be in denial about it, regardless of whether she validates that experience or not. Right. Because if you, if can, can I say something mm-hmm. there? If you don't come to terms with the reality, what your experience was then you're perpetuating the wound that she was giving you, right? Because that wound is my mom doesn't understand what my experience is and my mom won't validate what my experience is. So if you don't, who will? So it's your responsibility. But the the hard part is, is that there's probably some grief and sadness and anger that's going to coincide with you validating that experience for you and it might reshape some of the ways that you looked at your upbringing it doesn't mean that your mom's a bad person or you know a shitty mom or any of those things she can still be a good person you can still have a good relationship with her today all those things can be true as my wife says this is a both and Mm -hmm. situation right you can both be upset about what you experienced and also still see her as a as a good person today it's true Okay. And what about with your, with your dad? What are you taking away from that? I know there's more stuff that needs to come, come out there, but what are you taking away just for some closure for our conversation today? So one thing I like growing up, I think I was unsure about was the safety of my dad, like how long he would be around and in what condition, but I've made it this far and he's still here. And so, I mean, 
I think I can grant myself some peace and hope that there will still be years to come. But trying to maybe set boundaries with myself as well of not taking on the role just because he needs me. He might not even need me to. Maybe I've just assumed it all these years, but Mm. um, setting limits with myself of how I step in or when I step in or what that relationship looks like. All right. Well, I think that's where we'll pause for today. Thank you so much for joining me and being willing to to let me work with you in, in some capacity and feel free to follow up with me with the letter and some of these pieces that we've talked about. And for anyone that's out there listening to this, if you know somebody that would benefit from listening to this conversation, please do share it because these types of conversations and experiences can be incredibly helpful for people trying to make sense of their own past, their own experience. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate you. And that's it for today. All right, bye.